Chapter Seventy Five of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter Seventy Five. How a gentleman paid a visit at the Brass Castle, and there read a paragraph in an old newspaper dangerfield was after his wont seated at his desk writing letters after his early breakfast with his neatly labelled accounts at his elbow there was a pleasant frosty sun glittering through the twigs of the leafless shrubs and flashing on the ripples and undulations of the liffey and the redbreasts and sparrows were picking up the crumbs which the housekeeper had thrown for them outside he had just sealed the last of half a dozen letters when the maid opened his parlour door and told him that a gentleman was at the hall step who wished to see him dangerfield looked up with a quick glance eh to be sure show him in and in a few seconds more mr mervyn his countenance more than usually pale and sad entered the room he bowed low and gravely as the servant announced him dangerfield rose with a prompt smile bowing also and advanced with his hand extended which as a matter of form rather than of cordiality his visitor took coldly enough in his happy to see you here mr mervyn pray take a chair a charming morning for a turn by the river sir i have taken the liberty of visiting you mr dangerfield your visit sir i esteem an honour interposed the lord of the brass castle a slight and ceremonious bow from mervyn who continued for the purpose of asking you directly and plainly for some light upon a matter in which it is in the highest degree important i should be informed you may command me mr mervyn said dangerfield crossing his legs throwing himself back and adjusting himself to attention mervyn fixed his dark eyes full and sternly upon that white and enigmatical face with its round glass eyes and silver setting and those delicate lines of scorn he had never observed before traced about the mouth and nostril then sir i venture to ask you for all you can disclose or relate about one charles archer dangerfield cocked his head on one side quizzically and smiled the faintest imaginable cynical smile i can't disclose anything for the gentleman never told me his secrets but all i can relate is heartily at your service can you point him out sir asked mervyn a little less sternly for he saw no traces of a guilty knowledge in the severe countenance and prompt unembarrassed manner of the gentleman who leaned back in his chair with the clear bright light full on him and his leg crossed so carelessly dangerfield smiled shook his head gently and shrugged his shoulders the least thing in the world don't you know him sir demanded mervyn why said dangerfield with his chin a little elevated and the tips of his fingers all brought together and his elbows resting easily upon the arms of his chair and altogether an involuntary 
air of hauteur charles archer perhaps you're not aware was not exactly the most reputable acquaintance in the world and my knowledge of him was very slight indeed wholly accidental and of very short duration may i ask you if without leaving this town you can lay your finger on him sir why not conveniently answered dangerfield with the same air of cynical amusement twould reach in that case all the way to florence and even then we should gain little by the discovery but you do know him pursued mervyn i did sir though very slightly answered dangerfield and i'm given to understand sir he's to be found occasionally in this town continued his visitor there's just one man who sees him and that's the parish clerk what's his name Ezekiel irons he sees him suppose we send down to his house and fetch him here and learn all about it said dangerfield who seemed mightily tickled by the whole thing he left the town sir last night and i've reason to suspect with a resolution of returning no more and i must speak plainly mr dangerfield tis no subject for trifling the fame and fortune of a noble family depend on searching out the truth and i lose my life sir or i'll discover it still the old cynical quizzical smile on dangerfield's white face who said encouragingly nobly resolved sir upon my honour and mr dangerfield if you'll only lay yourself out to help me with your great knowledge and subtlety disclosing everything you know or conjecture and putting me in train to discover the rest so that i may fully clear this dreadful mystery up there is no sacrifice of fortune i will not cheerfully make to recompense such immense services and you may name with confidence your own terms and think nothing exorbitant for the first time dangerfield's countenance actually darkened and grew stern but mervyn could not discern whether it was with anger or deep thought and the round spectacles returned his intense gaze with a white reflected sheen sightless as death but the stern mouth opened and dangerfield in his harsh brief tones said you speak without reflection sir and had nigh made me lose my temper but i pardon you you're young sir and besides know probably little or nothing of me who are you sir who thus think fit to address me who am by blood and education as good a gentleman as any alive the inducements you are pleased to offer you may address elsewhere they are not for me i shall forget your imprudence and answer frankly any questions within my knowledge you please to ask mervyn bowed apologetically and a silence ensued after which he thus availed himself of his host's permission to question him you mentioned irons the clerk mr dangerfield and said that he sees charles archer do you mean it why thus i mean it he thinks he sees him but if he does upon my honour he sees a ghost and dangerfield chuckled merrily pray mr dangerfield consider me and be serious and in heaven's name explain 
said mervyn speaking evidently in suppressed anguish why you know don't you the poor fellow's not quite right here and he tapped the centre of his own towering forehead with the delicate tip of his white middle finger i've seen a little of him he's an angler so am i and he showed me the fishing of the river here last summer and often amused me prodigiously he's got some such very old maggots i don't say mind ye he's mad there are many degrees and he's quite a competent parish clerk he's only wrong on a point or two and one of them is charles archer i believe for a while he thought you were he and dangerfield laughed his dry hard chuckle where sir do you suppose charles archer is now to be found urged mervyn why what remains of him in florence answered dangerfield you speak sir as if you thought him dead think i know he's dead i knew him but three weeks and visited him in his sickness was in his room half an hour before he died and attended his funeral said dangerfield i implore of you sir as you hope for mercy don't trifle in this matter cried mervyn whose face was white like that of a man about to swoon under an operation trifle what do you mean sir barked out dangerfield rapidly i mean sir this i've information he's positively living and can relieve my father's memory from the horrible imputation that rests upon it you know who i am eh sir lord castle mallard told me and my life i cheerfully devote to the task of seizing and tracing out the bloody clue of the labyrinth in which i'm lost good tis a pious as well as a prudent resolve said dangerfield with a quiet sneer and now sir give me leave to say a word your information that charles archer is living is not worth the breath of the madman that spoke it as i'll presently show you by an odd chance sir i required this file of newspapers last week to help me in ascertaining the date of sir harry wyatt's marriage well only last night what should i hit on but this will you please to read he had turned over the pages rapidly and then he stopped at this little piece of news packed up in a small paragraph at the bottom of a column and pointing his finger to it he slid the volume of newspapers over to mervyn who read died on the fourth of august of a lingering disease at his lodgings in florence whither he had gone for the improvement of his health charles archer esq a gentleman who some three years since gave an exceeding clear evidence against lord de norin for the murder of mr beauclerk and was well known at newmarket his funeral which was private was attended by several english gentlemen who were then at florence mervyn deadly pale with gleaming eyes and hand laid upon his forehead as if to screen off any insupportable light and concentrate his gaze upon the words read and re-read these sentences with an agony of scrutiny such as no critic ever yet directed upon a disputed passage in his favourite classic but there was no possibility 
of fastening any consolatory interpretation upon the paragraph it was all too plain and outspoken tis possible this may be true thus much a charles archer is dead and yet another charles archer the object of my search still living said mervyn hey that didn't strike me said dangerfield as much amused as was consistent with moderately good breeding but i can quite account mr mervyn he continued with a sudden change of tone and manner to something almost of kindness for your readiness to entertain any theory not quite destructive of hopes which notwithstanding i fear rests simply on the visions of that poor hypochondriac irons but for all that tis just possible that something may strike either you or me in the matter not quite so romantic eh but still something you've not told me how the plague charles archer could possibly have served you but on that point perhaps we can talk another time i simply desire to say that any experience or ability i may possess are heartily at your service whenever you please to task them as my good wishes are already so stunned and like a man walking in a dream all his hopes shivered about his feet mervyn walked through the door of the little parlour in the brass castle and dangerfield accompanying him to the little gate which gave admission from the high road to that tenement dismissed him there with a bow and a pleasant smile and standing for a while wiry and erect with his hands in his pockets he followed him as he paced dejectedly away with the same peculiar smile when he was out of sight dangerfield returned to his parlour smiling all the way and stood on the hearth-rug with his back to the fire when he was alone a shadow came over his face and he looked down on the fringe with a thoughtful scowl his hands behind his back and began adjusting and smoothing it with the toe of his shoe sot fool and poltroon triple qualification for mischief i don't know why he still lives ironson new vista opens and this damned young man all this was not as we sometimes read mentally ejaculated but quite literally muttered as i believe every one at times mutters to himself charles archer living charles archer dead or as i sometimes think neither one nor t'other quite half man half corpse a vampire there is no rest for thee no sabbath in the days of thy week blood 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 tis tiresome why should i be a slave to these damned secrets i don't think tis my judgment so much as the devil holds me here irons has more brains than i instinct calculation which is oftener right miss gertrude chatsworth a mere whim i think understood her game too i'll deal with that to-morrow i'll send daxon the account vouchers and check for lord castle mallard tell smith to sell my horses and buy the next packet eh and he kissed his hand with an odd smirk like a gentleman making his adieu 
and so leave those who count the acquaintance of charles archer to find him out and catch their tartar how they may end of chapter seventy five recording by john brandon